This is Taiwan Plus on ICRT, your connection to stories that matter. Brought to you by the news team at TaiwanPlus.com. Welcome to Taiwan Plus News. I'm Ian Kavat. On Sunday, Taiwan reported 39 Chinese planes entering its Air Defense Identification Zone, or ADIZ, making it the largest number so far this year. This comes after U.S. and Japanese naval forces have been carrying out exercises in the South China Sea and as tensions in the Taiwan Strait continue to soar. Jaime Ocon reports. Barely three weeks into the new year, and over a hundred Chinese planes have reportedly crossed into Taiwan's air defense zone, or ADIZ, thus far. The latest group included over two dozen fighter jets, which entered the southwestern corner of Taiwan's ADIZ, and several electronic warfare planes that flew further south near Taiwan's Dongsa Islands, totaling 39 planes in a single day, the most this year. In response, Taiwan scrambled its own fighters and deployed missile defense systems. Experts believe that China's latest incursion is meant to send a strong message across the region. So there's definitely this political purpose, and we can see that a lot with many of the large sorties. So I would say I typically classify ten or more as a exceptionally large stay of sorties. I think that there is a that kind of that gray zone military pressure and.、Uh, Political purpose for the large ones and the smaller flights are likely more operational in nature. As Taiwan and its neighbors seek to manage a more assertive China, it hopes that it can do so without triggering a potential conflict. Chris Ma and Hami Okan for Taiwan Plus. To discuss the significance of Sunday's incursions, I spoke to Sean King, who is senior vice president at Park Strategies and a scholar at the University of Notre Dame Leo Institute for Asia Studies. Japanese Prime Minister Kishida and U.S. President Biden had a virtual summit last week, and Taiwan did appear in the joint statement afterwards. Also, there's an unusually large U.S. naval presence in the region right now. And then, lastly,、uh, Taiwan Vice President William Lai will visit Honduras this week, and where he may just accidentally, on purpose,、uh, meet U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris, just like in 2009. At an El Salvadorian inaugural banquet, banquet,、uh, then Taiwan President Ma Ying-jeou just happened to bump into then U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. So Beijing may be trying to get ahead of that bad news by showing its strength now. You mentioned there was unusually large U.S. presence in the region. Why is that? Asia is a very strong focus of the Biden administration, and with Beijing flexing its muscles, it's only natural that we would stand by our friends and allies. And partners in the region. Perhaps with the troubles in Ukraine right now, we just may want to reassure our friends and allies in the region that just because we're focused on what's happening in Ukraine, we haven't forgotten about Asia. And this extra show of force is just to remind people、uh, that we can walk and chew gum at the same time. And one final question, Sean. So, how do you think the U.S. would take this? The 39 incursions yesterday. I don't think we're going to overreact, but we're certainly going to keep an eye on it. And our strong presence in the region speaks to that. On Monday, Taiwan's Central Epidemic Command Center reported 15 new domestic cases of COVID-19 and 36 new imported ones. After months of no or few community infections in Taiwan, a spate of clusters is raising fears ahead of the week-long Lunar New Year holiday. Louise Watt reports. This free trade zone and its dormitories near Taiwan's Taoyuan International Airport have become COVID-19 hotspots. 
Air cargo passes through this zone, and now, so too the virus. The surge stems from an airport cluster that spilled over to a restaurant, a bank, and several schools in Taoyuan City. Now, four and a half thousand workers in the free trade zone are being tested, along with their contacts. In 48 hours, more than 100 cases have been confirmed. This includes more than 30 on Sunday from nine companies. The outbreak is also spreading to factories in neighboring Shinju County. On Sunday evening, local authorities added five new community testing stations after five new cases were reported. In the capital, Taipei, four new cases at the weekend included a chef at the city's Grand Hotel and two of her family members. The hotel was disinfected. Authorities are investigating how they got the virus. With growing numbers of people entering Taiwan and testing positive, and the number of domestic cases also rising, patients with mild symptoms are being sent to an intensive quarantine hotel rather than hospital. But this quarantine hotel for positive cases is expected to be full before the Lunar New Year holiday starts this weekend. As Taiwan's COVID situation heats up, the country on Monday received the first batch of 10,000 courses of Merck's oral antiviral drug, Malnupiravir. The pills will be distributed to medical institutions as soon as possible and used to treat people who are sick with mild COVID symptoms, hoping to stop them getting more serious. Alex Chen and Louise Watt for Taiwan Plus. Taiwan's legislature on Monday officially passed into law new stricter rules against driving under the influence. Under the new legislation, repeat offenders will have their surnames and photos made public. The maximum penalty has also been raised for drunk drivers caught at road checks, with offenders receiving a possible jail time of three years and a fine equivalent to nearly 11,000 US dollars. If a drunk driver kills or seriously injures another person, the fine could be as high as a 108,000 US dollars. President Tsai Ing-wen is facing a political backlash within her own party for opening a cultural park and library dedicated to Taiwan's former president, Jiang Jingguo. Lawmakers from Tsai's Democratic Progressive Party, or DPP, criticized the building as paying homage to a man implicated in the arrest, detention and killings of people critical of the government. Jiang Jingguo ruled Taiwan from 1978 to 1984, following in the footsteps of his father Chiang Kai-shek. Before that, he oversaw the country's secret police, helping to implement a campaign of political suppression known as the White Terror. But Tsai on Saturday called for for unity among Taiwanese people and praised Jiang Jingguo for his defiance against aggression from Beijing. To find out more about Jiang Jingguo's legacy and Taiwan's efforts to confront the injustices of the past, our reporter Rick Glauert spoke to historian James Lin in Seattle. He began by asking who Jiang Jingguo was. He's a bit of a uh, slightly kind of mixed legacy figure in Taiwanese history because um, there is a narrative that Zhang Jingguo was instrumental for Taiwan's democratization because he was essentially in charge during the democratization process. Uh, but at the same time, he also uh, was a major political figure within the Kuomintang and within the Republic of China 
uh, government during the darkest days of the white terror and of martial law. And he was personally in charge of um, many of the institutions that were responsible for the repressive period under martial law. So both of these together means that um, for some people, he's seen as someone who was important for Taiwan's democratization. But for other people, he's seen as kind of a symbol of Taiwan's uh, authoritarian period and its, its deep political repression. Wulin Elementary is known for its championship-winning baseball team, but with some players aging out, new talent is needed. This has led to the team to break out of the traditional gender norms to lead them back into glory. Bing Wang takes a look at the team's secret weapons. Elementary's coach Li Yifan gives his young players a few words of encouragement before the game. The team has high hopes of winning this year because of their secret weapons, 11-year-old twin sisters Kiwuya and Puni. The sisters are now team captains, but initially their parents didn't want them on the field. But the young twins were not deterred. Baseball is usually coined as a sport for men. There's a clear distinction between baseball and softball. Baseball for men, softball for women. But Wuling Elementary here is challenging those norms by offering girls a chance to play in a very male-dominated sport. Wuling Elementary has won regional tournaments, but the players involved in those games have aged out of the team. Now, Kiyuya and Puni hope to lead a new set of teammates onto glory. The team now has the most girls in the tournament. There's never been a female professional baseball player, not in the United States, Japan, South Korea, or Taiwan. But the tides could be changing. Young players like Monet Davis and Ella Bruning made their marks in the Little League. And in Major League Baseball, the Miami Marlins are being led by Kim Ng, the first time a woman is making a baseball team's most important decisions. And for little girls in Taiwan, Kiwuya and Puni are trailblazing the path from the sidelines onto the field. Patrick Chen, Alex Chen, and Bing Wong for Taiwan Plus. To make sure pets are properly protected and taken care of, Taiwan's central government has established its first ever dedicated task force to oversee all aspects of the pet industry. Our partners at Radio Taiwan International have more. Taiwan is opening the first government unit with the sole focus of improving the welfare of pets and animals. That's because pets are becoming more and more popular in Taiwan. Two out of seven households own one. Agriculture Minister Chen Ji-chung said in a Facebook post that this new unit will create at least 100 positions and have an annual budget of nearly 5 million U.S. dollars. It will monitor and manage trends in the pet industry, such as pet insurance, grooming, food, training, and pet sitting. Chen says that Taiwan needs to have a department like this because the country's pet industry is worth nearly 2 billion U.S. dollars per year. Over 2 million households own pets in Taiwan. 
The department will also inspect the ethics of animal performances and educate the public about the potential danger in raising animals that are invasive species in Taiwan. It will list the types of pets that need special approval or are illegal. It's clear that advocating for pets is an increasingly important issue for the millions of pet owners in Taiwan. After all, these furry and feathered friends are more like family members to their owners. Thank you for watching Taiwan Plus News. I'm Ian Kavat. Stay safe and see you next time. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Plus on ICRT. For more great stories from Taiwan and around the world, visit TaiwanPlus.com.